You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 48. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Okay, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I am Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. Great to be back with you. It's good to be back, and we had a little bit of a break, Chris. Actually, it's been a long break, but it's been a long, hot summer, too. It's been a long, hot summer, and so, the, yeah, the reason, I was going to sort of give a fake reason as to why we've, you know, <laughs> we've been doing some other important things, we've been on a long trip or something, but tell me the real reason that we haven't been doing any podcasts lately. We, it, we are blessed to be able to record these in a little tiny box at the back of Guy's backyard, and um, I would call it an oven um, through the summer, if, if, or maybe a sauna or something like that. For those of you who are not aware, it gets pretty hot in Melbourne, so well over over 40 degrees, we've mm-hmm. had a pretty hot summer, so that's over a, around about 100 Fahrenheit, for those of you who haven't caught up with the, the metric system. But, um, yeah, and so, Chris, you don't quite like the heat, do you? Don't like the heat. Man, I melt completely. I'm wiped out. But today's not too bad, so we're back on at the microphone That's and right. ready It's only to 29 today, so it's yeah. still warm, but... We've got a bit of wind outside that might come through, but it's not like uh, those people who get the twisters down there in Tennessee and those sort of places in America. So it'll just be a blowing today. That's all. Okay, so today we've got, we've got a topic which is... Pretty close to your heart, one you've been thinking about for a few weeks. Well, I guess what I'm realizing is that a lot of things that, when you're raised in church, you've been around preaching and that sort of stuff for a long time, there's a lot of things you take for granted, but the the kernel or the, the, the truth deep embedded in what you're talking about or what you've taken for granted uh, is really powerful. It's a little bit like growing up with Sunday school songs and you keep thinking the story of David and Goliath is a kid's story, but it's not. You know, it's 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 a grown-up, mature challenge to our faith. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we, when we think about what it is to be a Christian, to be an effective Christian or to walk with God, there's a whole bunch of things that we kind of treat as if they're just elementary, of no great significance. But when we roll them back and peel the skin off them, we discover that there's some really profound insights that we need to go back and, and rethink about. Or maybe if we're we're approaching Christianity for the first time, to think deeply about these things. And I want to talk about just one of those today. Okay, well, that sounds like a sort of 30,000 foot view, and I'm already confused. So, <laughs> Well, let me talk about, I'm going to call it... Uh, uh, our biggest problem, maybe. Our, big, our, our biggest problem, our biggest okay, problem. right, okay. I can yeah. relate to yeah. that. Yeah. I've, got, I've got plenty of my biggest problems. Well, you problems. can forget all those other ones. I'm talking about the big one here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I, I, maybe the best way to bring it into focus is to use an analogy of some sort. So let's imagine that there's... Okay, I can do stories. Yep, there's someone that, that's in, uh, looking for some employees, got the dream job, going to pay them super money, uh, perfect conditions, just the, the thing that anyone would want to have. And he gets 30 people to come on in and apply for the job. Uh, He sits down and interviews every single one of them. Uh, They all go through the paces. And when it's all over, he gets them all together in his boardroom or dining room or whatever it is in his factory. And he says to them, you are an amazing lot of employees. Like, I really am impressed. Uh, Your talents, your skill, your dedication, your experience, your personalities. As I've sat and talked to you, I've fallen in love with each one of you. I'd love to have you on my staff. And I've talked to uh, our accountant. We actually have enough money to employ all 30 of you. And we have enough jobs to do to give every single one of you something really meaningful that you'll enjoy doing. But there's a problem. Having done a lot of interviewing, I wish it was as simple as that. <laughs> okay. it's like, so, you, like if you get two or three that are really good. But anyway, As you on. say, this is a story. Okay, so stick with the story side yep. of this. 
Uh, the boss says, we've got a problem. And they all look a bit worried, you know, what's the problem? I mean, you know, are our grades not good enough? Are our experience not good enough? Are we not dedicated enough? Are we not gung-ho enough for this job? What's the problem? And he says, no, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You guys are perfect applicants, except. And the exception is that as I've interviewed every single one of you, I've discovered that each one of you has in some way through your life offended God. Some of you, maybe because you lied or you cheated or you stole something, you compromised in some way, maybe because you got a bit bitter about something unhappy that happened to you. Maybe you were a bit proud in the way you handled your, yourself with other people. You've done things that have actually grieved God. And, and, and I am not allowed to employ anyone that has ever offended God. So does he have anybody on his staff at all? No, probably not. Okay. But remember, this is just a story. Look, don't yeah, yeah, don't you mess with my... There's, there's a lot of holes in here. So. In my story here, boy. So what's irrelevant to the job? But uh, anyway, let's carry on. And in a sense, that's, I'm using that as an allegory or a parallel to the way God looks at us. We know that God loves us, right? So uh, even when we have made mistakes, even when we have messed up, God's commitment to us is like that boss's commitment to each of those applicants. Totally committed. I want you on the team. I want you. I want you to be my child. I want you in my family. Uh, I love you. I'm, I'm impressed with you. I, I'm ready to run with you in, in a relationship. Let's go with this thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And the problem, uh, as we would use it from a Christian biblical point of view, we'd say the problem is sin. We've done something somewhere along the way that has messed up our uh, copybook. We, we, we've blotted ink on it somewhere. And it doesn't matter how beautifully we've written and how wonderful the story is, there's a big ink blot sitting on the page. Mm-hmm. And the page just has to be torn out and thrown away. And we say, but that's, that's my best work. You say, I'm sorry, but, but there's an ink blot on that page. And the ink blot for us is sin. And the, uh, the reason this has really impressed me is that if you were to meet someone down the street and say, uh, if um, God asked you why he should let you into heaven, what would you say? And people would might scratch their head for a little while and they say, well, I'm a pretty good bloke. Uh, um, uh, I, I go to church regularly and have done ever since I was 12. You know, uh, I got christened. I got processed in the religious process in some way at some stage. And, and I've never stopped believing in God. And they can list off a number of things that are really good, yeah, impressive. There could be people who volunteer uh, their time coaching with kids or working in an orphanage or, or in a food feeding kitchen, yep. uh, looking after people that are unemployed. Uh, there's some awesome, wonderful people that you will meet who are really top notch mm. and totally committed to doing the right thing. They might be a great role model and a mentor to others and make sure that they impress upon young people who they deal with uh, right standards, high values. They might even, oh, well, they could do all sorts of things. And when we and when we look at them, we think, oh, wow, that's an amazing person. They're giving their time and serving here and serving yep. here. And they're always so lovely and genuine and generous and doing all these wonderful things. Put the rest of us to shame. Put the rest of us to shame. Mm-hmm. If anybody should get into heaven, that's them. That's yeah. the way we think, right? And and that, and that uh, I guess from a, a, what's the word, a religious point of view, we could sneer at that and say, well, you still don't make the grade. We could be kind of cynical about that. But the truth is, these people deserve recognition for their sincerity, for their incredible heart, for their diligence, for their... their their um, what's the word discipline uh, to be able to turn up you know how many people in your church turn up at at the time the service starts you know just people who that can actually maintain the disciplines of getting there and being there on time and taking on responsibilities uh, there are people that really do deserve the biggest tick next to their name mm-hmm. but there's a problem 
And I think the tragedy is then that, one, Christians can kind of be cynical toward those that are not yet Christians, as if, well, you haven't, you know, been saved yet, so you're kind of a second-class citizen, when those people actually really deserve to be honoured and recognised for the, the incredible standards that many of them uphold and the things that they do. And then the other side of it is for those people to realise it doesn't matter how hard they try and how many orphanages they visit or whatever else they might do, there's a problem outside of their control right now. There's a problem other than whether they turn up at church and help the minister, other than whether they can go and turn up and help out at the Salvation Army a Relief Centre or whatever else they might be involved in. There's another problem outside that, and that's the big ink blot on the page of their life. And no matter how many good things you do, it just you just can't get rid of that by those good things. Maybe another analogy that, that, that might work here. Uh, someone comes along and they say, well, I'm really upset with my doctor. You say, why? Well, he just tells me I've got cancer. And really? Okay, well, how come? He said, well, he says it's because I've smoked all my life. I said, well, haven't you smoked all your life? Yeah, but I gave up yesterday. And you say, well, I'm sorry. You might have given up yesterday. I don't smoke anymore. I know you don't smoke anymore, but this is a consequence of what happened before now. Well, I'm not going to smoke for the next or the rest of my life. In fact, I'm going to go on an anti-smoking campaign. It doesn't change the fact. It's what's happened in the past that you'll take with you. And that that reformed smoker, no matter how much they they regret having smoked, no matter how much they've sworn off cigarettes and how much they lecture other people about their smoking, they will carry in their body the consequences of what they've already done. And that's the picture we have of, of really good people people whom I admire, people who I respect, people who deserve to be admired and respected, mm. who've actually really contributed to our culture and our society. They've blessed their family. Yep. They've been wonderful supporters, maybe even very active in their church, but they've never dealt with their real problem. Mm. And they maybe would think, oh, well, the problem's gone in my life because I do these good things, because I do this, because I help people, because I'm very generous with my money. Someone the other day told me that they have a, a child, an uh, adult son, who's not a Christian at all, but he, he takes 10% of his income and he gives it away to help people uh, all the time. The dad trained him to do that. And even though the boy didn't choose to be a Christian, he followed the Christian idea of giving a tenth uh, to God. He gives it out to all sorts of needy people all over the place. Really wonderful guy. I guess most people in the wider community, unless they were churchy type people, would never give 10% of their income away just to help other people. Uh, so there are great, wonderful people out there doing really impressive things. And they can sometimes then give themselves a big tick. Ah, I, I've passed. I've made the grade. Yep. There was an elderly lady, I guess she must have been probably 83, 85, I don't know, I remember years ago, who I had a conversation with. And she was really convinced. Uh, she'd gone to Sunday school and church all of her life. Uh, her husband was an elder in the church that they were involved in, so they were very active. She was in on the ladies' committees, did all sorts of things for, I don't know, must have been for 70 years or more. Um, just a, a lovely, generous lady. She would go out of her way to pick up the people that were blind and take them off to different events and just really, really, really lovely. And she said to me, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm sure that if I do enough good things, God will let me into heaven. And there she was putting her faith in her goodness, which was impressive, but putting her faith in that, putting her trust yeah. in that, and ignoring the great big ink blot that was on her life, which was the fact that every single one of us, whether we like it or not, 
I know you and I are very impressive people. I'm sure if people knew us, they'd like us. But every single one of us, every single one of us is carrying sin. That those things that we've done that have offended God's moral standard. And so that's the problem we've got to deal with no matter how good we are. And as parents, we often bring our kids, I know I do, bring our kids up with this with this idea of doing do something to make up for something that you've yeah. you've done wrong. Yeah. Right? So this reward and punishment type of thing. Okay, well if you want to go and you know, you were pretty rotten yesterday, rude to your mother and so on and so forth. If you want to be going and seeing your friends next week, then you've got these other things you need to do and you need to behave yourself for the next week or whatever. Mm. You know, so we're I think to some degree we're trained into that, aren't we? Yeah, and I think a lot of people would very happily pay for their crimes if they could. They'd be very happy to do that. Let me just pay for my crimes, you know. Let me let me work it off, you know, somehow or other. Give me some community service order and, and I'll fill it out so that I, don't, I can forget the things I've done. Unfortunately, there is nothing that we can do to overcome this major serious inkblot problem in our lives. Now, in the analogy that I started with that you kept rubbishing at the beginning of this about the, the employer... Now, I mentioned how this employer was actually really impressed with all the employees. He wanted them and his staff, but he couldn't because of this problem, which yep. was that they'd offended God. If someone was in that position, if God really did love us, you know, if God, the Bible says he loves us, but if God really does love us and we've got a sin problem, it would be really shallow of God to say, um, I love you, but I'm just going to throw you into hell. Uh, sorry about this. It's kind of if he really loved us, you'd think he'd want to do something about it. You'd think he would actually have, have, have tried to find a solution, especially if the solution was outside our capacity. So why can't so why can't he just overlook? Why can't he just forgive? So your child does something wrong against you. They come and they, are, they, they say sorry, and they appear to have a change of attitude, and they do something to make up for it. Why can't you just forgive and then move on? I think from a loving point of view, we'd all like to do that. But the uh, the reality in this moral universe that we live in, and maybe just let me take 10 seconds to explain what I mean that by yep. that. God created the universe. So it came out of his being, right? So automatically imprinted on that which he created is his character. And he is moral to the ultimate degree, like he is perfect. Yep. There is no flaw whatsoever. So as a result, when he created us, suddenly we were obligated to operate in that mode, in his tone. Yeah, it's like you've got your laptop sitting there and it's a, it's one of those rubbishy things that's not a Mac. Um, and so <laughs> it, it runs certain software, but I could bring you like along. Mac doesn't. <laughs> I could bring along some vastly superior software and try and put it on your machine and it wouldn't work, you know, because it hasn't been created in that mode. When God created us, he created us like Max. I mean, like like um, something. <laughs> he impressed upon us his moral reality. And as a result, that's the standard by which we get measured. So when we come, when God looks at his universe, he must act with moral justice. He has to. He, no matter how much he loves us, there is this uh, reality of his own perfection and holiness that must be honored. And so if there is... A, a breach, it must be mended. If if there's a, even you go back to the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, there's, there's, there's a justice requires that there is a payment that's balanced, not imbalanced, not, not overly done. One eye means two eyes out. No, it's got to be eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's got to be balanced. There's got to be that righteous judgment embedded in the whole of our society. Even to the point that in the Old Testament, you know, if they found a dead body 
on the ground somewhere in Israel, according to the law that was given to Moses, and they didn't know who killed the person, the nearest town had to take responsibility. They measured it with a tape to find out which town was closest. And the elders of that town had to actually make the appropriate offerings for the accidental death of a person, even though they didn't know who it was and probably had nothing to do with it. But it was about balance, about this justice. Everything had to be, someone had to take responsibility. You couldn't just say, oh, it doesn't matter, who cares, so what? That might be the Aussie attitude, but it's not the way God can do business with anybody. And so therefore, God, in wanting to bring us a solution, which his love motivated him to do, had to make sure that it was just. It had to be an appropriately just solution to our sin problem. That meant someone had to pay for it. And that's easy because we know what the wages are. The wages of that sin is a death penalty. So someone's got to die. Uh, The problem is, if the person's already got to die for theft, they can't then die for lying because they're going to die anyway. If they were going to die for murder, they can't die for rape because they're already going to die for murder. For someone to be able to die as a payment for a penalty for something, they would actually have to have been sinless. And there wasn't a person on the planet that was going to tick that box. Nobody. Everybody has sinned. So the only solution God could come up with, motivated by love and needing to maintain justice, was to actually become human himself. Actually step into our world take on the form of a human, which he did through what we call the Son of God, Jesus, walking upon the earth and living sinlessly for 33 years, facing every temptation, the alluring woman, the chance to lie or cheat or steal, the chance to be arrogant and proud, the chance to react to all of the taunting that people gave him. Um, He was given every opportunity, tempted by the devil and by everyone else, and was able to say no, 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 every single time. So then he becomes able to pay the price. And then they they put him up on false charges. They, They did everything that would be the worst possible display of justice they subjected him to. And then they didn't just kill him, you know, a bullet through the head or something. They nailed him on a cross and hung him there for hours to bleed to death. Uh, just a horrible and cruel uh, form of death, which the Romans thought was pretty normal back in those days. And he did all of that as an act of God's love in order to fulfill the justice. Yep. And at that point then, as, as the loving God, he can then say, now we can, now the, the, the sin problem's gone. It's actually gone. You know, it's not just ignored. Uh, I will just excuse that. It's, it's gone. Mm. It's actually dealt with. But what we have is, is so many of us say, well, I don't need somebody to die for me. I don't have, uh, the, I don't, I don't need that. And the way I think of it is, you know, we've, there's been a number of uh, um, shootings, right? And people, mass, mass numbers of, of shootings. It's happened uh, here in Australia. It's happened in New Zealand. It's happened in, in America. America yeah. and, uh, it's happened in Europe. Uh, and and if anybody is, is close to one of those situations, their natural reaction is to, is to come down on that person who's done it and for them to be locked up for the rest of their life in some places they might be executed in some states of America they might be executed and when we see something as horrific as a mass murder we don't have any problem with 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 our sense of this justice. person is evil yeah. this person has done evil they need to have justice mm-hmm. and if, imagine if the judge judge then let, let, let them off oh phew there'd be an awful stink absolutely right and the way I look at it is that because God is so pure and so holy, even the smallest of our sins is like that. Yeah. Right? 
to him. And so it would violate justice if he was to let us off without some without a just payment for what we had what we had done. I, I like that thought because I was talking one day some years ago to a refugee into Australia. He was from uh, Bosnia Herzegovina uh, in Europe, yep. where there was a Christian versus Muslim tension that had erupted, and a lot of Muslim people left as refugees. And this man came and he was living right behind my home, uh, looking through the, my wire fence and watching me garden and chatting. And we visited and had coffee with him and, and chatted quite often. And uh, he became a good friend. And uh, he was uh, talking about the things that were being done that were in unjust, unjust, back where he was from. And so the people on the street, the young people, the, the young adults, were actually mixed. They were Christian and Muslim. The, the, the divisions had come in more artificially, but the actual social communion, your best friends, were, were op- often people that would have been on the other side, right? And he talked about how that, that four or five guys might get picked up uh, for having been looting in a shop, broken the window and snatching stuff out of the windows or something. They were all caught and brought before the judge. If the judge was of the persuasion of the Christian side or of the Muslim side, the judge would stand there and, and talk. Let's say, for instance, it was a Muslim judge. He would say to the two Muslim boys that were there, you deserve the worst possible punishment. You're going to go to that side door there and I'm going to deal with you later. And they would leave. And then he'd say to the, to the other three, well, you've got to pay these fines. And he would put a certain penalty on them. What they found out later was that when they went to that side door, they were let out another door and just went out free. The impression of stern justice was being given by the judge, but they were actually being given a let off. At other times when it was the other way around, it might have been a Christian judge doing that toward the Christian members of, of whatever group were brought before him and letting them off and then dealing only with the others. Now, as soon as we know that that's happening, our, our response is to be offended. Mm. Hey, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, justice has got to be for all. It's got yeah. to be fair. You yeah. know, it, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, just, that's just wrong. Yeah. Exactly what you're saying. And so God has that supra, uh, um, what's that, ubiquitous universal sense. Sort of hand-waving going on at the moment. You can't I'm sorry, it. you can't see my hands. I'm just trying to measure the sense of just how God is, how committed God is to justice. Yeah. He can't, no matter how much he likes you, no matter how much he likes me or anyone else. And, that's and you're why very likable. I, thank you. I, I was almost going to say the same about you. That guy. <laughs> but look, the people we're talking to and listening to us right now, you know, you guys and, and ladies that are listening, some of you really are impressive, you know, and, and I don't want you to ever feel that you're being spat upon or put down by a Christian who, who wants to encourage you to connect with God through Jesus Christ. The issue is not that you're a cretin. The issue is not that you're a hopeless freak or that you're a miserable scumbag. I mean, you, you, that's the, the truth is some of you are really desperately impressive. And I think another thing that comes into it is this. Some of you listening to this have had a pretty lousy deal and life has dealt you all of the worst cards and you haven't had a chance to play them at all. And you can look at other people who are really creaming it. They've got the, 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 the job and the wife and the car and the house and the career and everything going for them. And if you had their opportunities, if you'd had their start, if you'd had their family and their education, and, and but you, you got dealt a much worse hand than that. You had the, the, the dysfunctional family or the broken home or the alcoholic father and the abuse and the violence and, and, and victimization and, and horrible things happening in your life, circumstances that just ganged up against you and everything you tried to do, you got kicked in the head. 
And people look at you now and they might think you're a pretty um, rotten piece of humanity because they can only see where you got to because of what you went through. Inside, if you'd had the opportunities others had been given, if you'd had the breaks other people had been, you could have been up there looking impressive. Mm. But instead, you're dragging yourself around wondering why you're a, you're, you're a scourge on the landscape and wishing you weren't. I want to say to you, God sees that and he knows you and he knows all that you could be. He's not despising you. He's not spitting on you. He's not looking at you and saying you're a worthless piece of humanity. He loves you. And so whether you're one of those people that's got the really good uh, uh, thing down and you're really creaming it and you're getting all the ticks or whether you're the person dragging yourself around wishing you'd had another way to play the game and could have played it better than you did, God loves each of you equally and he's provided the solution to the one really big problem. The solution is actually there and it's through Jesus. And the other wonderful thing about that is it's a real equalizer. Because, I mean, you've, you've been in high-powered business stuff dealing in the, millions so we, of dollars. We can't judge others because yeah. we have not been through through what others have been through. Yeah. yeah. You know? But, but here's my point about equalizing. Despite all of the, 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 the good things that have set you up for life in wonderful ways, you're not getting any favored treatment compared to someone else who's actually come up and dragged themselves up by their own shoelaces and actually been kicked in the head five times. The yeah. deal is the same for everybody. And so whether you've come out of some um, horrible heathen background, whether you've come out of this very nice religious background, whether you've come out with money or whether you've been um, survived on welfare, being moved from one um, welfare home to another, to another, to another, God gives everybody fairly the same deal, completely fair. There's no favorites. Everybody gets the same deal. We are all allowed to become God's child and get rid of the sin problem simply by receiving Jesus into our heart and life as our Savior, getting God to forgive us for our sins because Jesus already paid the price. And that's kind of really fundamental. I mean, Christianity is absolutely built on that bedrock truth. And yet there are people busily in churches with their bells and their smells or their robes or their rituals or their diligent activity or they're going out on the street and handing out pieces of paper, whatever they're doing, who've not actually ticked that one box that removes the one serious problem that affects all of us. And sadly, I really feel sorry for the people who think that their activities tick the box for them because mm. it just isn't going to cut it. Mm. It's the, the, the ink blot on the page of their life is going to mess up every other thing that they've got in their reference that makes them look good. And yet that can be removed simply by putting our faith in Jesus. Yeah, and we all, we all if we're honest with it, we dig down far enough, we look back, we all know that we've got that's a problem. Our conscience tells us. Yep. Tells us that. We may have, you know, over the years squashed our conscience and and uh, reduced its effectiveness. But I love the way that Ray Comfort handles this on some of his videos when he goes interviewing people. Ray Comfort from Living Waters. He interviews people and he asks them, well, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever looked at a woman or a man lustfully? Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever stolen even just one thing? And, of course, they all say yes, as we all need to do. And then he says, well, by your own admission, you've said that you're a lying, blaspheming, adulterous theft, <laughs> fever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, by God's standard, you can't fix that. No. But he's provided the way to fix it. Yeah. And I think that that's when you get down to that level of basics, then you can really think that's how Christianity works. 
And that's why people will say, and we've said it here, that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Mm. It's based on us coming to God and saying, God, I actually really have messed up. I really have got a big ink blot on my life and I want it removed. And thankfully, you've made the way. So I accept it. I receive that forgiveness. I confess Jesus as my Lord. And that brings us into a, rela- a relationship with the boss, you know, he, 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 a relationship with God. We actually um, are, are part of his family. We're, we're, we're amongst his favorite friends. And so th- that relationship then carries us through the rest of our life, whether we're going to church or singing, reading the Bible or praying, helping other people or whatever else we're doing. We do that now with this relationship. Uh, imagine being employed by that impressive employer that we talked about earlier, who said, when I interviewed you, I just fell in love with you. I wanted you working on my company. Well, how do you feel when you we'll turn up at the office the next morning? The boss likes me, you know, and it's that relationship that we have with God. God loves me. Wow. He, he sorted out my real problem. I've got a whole lot of other messes. But if he's going to help me sort out my biggest problem, I'm going to go and sit in his office and have a chat about how to fix up my marriage problem or the problem with my kids or the problem that I've got with these attitudes or these addictions. And we can travel through the rest of our life built on that relationship, not on the religion of, oh, now that you're a Christian, you'd better be at the 10 o'clock service and you'd better not be late. Not about the religion, but actually about that relationship. Yep. And of course, that comes back to why God created us in the first place. For his relationship with relationship with him, he wants yeah. us to know him and and have a relationship with him. And it's that sin that gets in the way. When that's gone, and it's a free gift. It's nothing that we have earned, is it? It's just a free gift of accepting God's forgiveness through Jesus. And no apologies to the audience. Um, with real talk, has to reflect the reality of God and the reality of our need to, for a relationship with him. Mm. And I'm, I, I'm tragically sad to say there will be people listening to us who think that they've ticked the religion box mm. and they're still carrying a big blot in their life because they've not actually received by faith the forgiveness that's there. It doesn't come by that religion. It comes by knowing Jesus, inviting him into your life. And uh, you've got resources on the website that help people find their faith and establish that. Uh, we do. But why don't we just do that now? Quickly? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Do you want to maybe give people the idea of a prayer that they should pray to actually just? Well, you're the you're the pastor. <laughs> you're throwing <laughs> you're it back me to, to me. The, you're putting me to the test, and you're the pastor. No, come on. Let's just if 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 this is speaking to you, and you just want to say yes, I, I want that sin problem removed. It's really simple. There's a hundred different ways to put a prayer together, but let's just put something together off the top of our head right now that you can pray that will that will change the solve the sin problem in your life. Maybe you'd pray something like this. Lord God, I come before you now and I admit that I have failed your standards. Mm. Uh, Unpleasant as it is, I am a sinner. And I cannot change that fact. But you can change it for me because Jesus died for me. I thank you that Jesus died for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to make me your child as I receive Christ into my life right now. Now, Father, I can call you Father because I am forgiven and the barrier that used to be between me and you is gone. Thank you. 
Now come into my life and walk with me in a brand new way. And please help me navigate my life and solve all the other problems I've got to deal with too. And may my life from this day on be for your glory, because I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I just encourage you, friends, if if that's been your step today, congratulations. The biggest problem anyone on the planet is ever going to have to deal with has just been solved in your life. And if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to, Chris and I would love to hear about it. It would be a great encouragement to us if you could send us an email at uh, podcasts at realmen247.org and let us know. It would be a great encouragement and we could also point you probably towards some resources in your area uh, and help you to be able to take the next step. And with God on your side, you can be the best kind of real man there is. There's no more real man than a man who's got God on his side. It's a great place to finish off. And uh, so thanks for listening. This has been... Uh, it could be eternity changing for for those of you listening. It's been a blessing to um, talk through this, Chris, with you. Thank you. And uh, so do remember to come over to the website and pick up the show notes at realmen247.org. Uh, remember us on, come over to Facebook and see what we're doing over there. And do subscribe and share this podcast with your friends who you think might be blessed by it. And thanks for listening. It's just a pleasure for us to be able to help you on your journey. May you be successful in everything that you do. Until next time then, goodbye. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.